Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. I'm back. As you could tell, the voice is back. Had to take yesterday off because I just couldn't talk yesterday morning. I was going to try to push through. I just didn't have a voice. Not ideal when you do Philly sports talk if you can't talk. (laughs) Kind of an important part of the gig. So I apologize. I wanted to spend Valentine's Day with my Power Hour crew. Had a good show planned, too. I wanted to get into our most beloved athletes in Philly sports history and all that good stuff, but just couldn't talk. But good show planned for today. It's Thursday, and we're going to get back to our regularly scheduled Thursday guest. My man, Mark Farzetta, will be joining the show around 1020. So a lot to talk to Farzi about. I haven't been able to speak to him yet about the Hassan Reddick news. I haven't been able to speak to him about the Sixers trade deadline. And we know our Farzee loves the fight and fills. Pitchers and catchers reported yesterday. So we'll do some Phillies talk as well with our man, Mark Farzetta. But it is good to see the Power Hour crew in the chat. And I see right off the bat, it's Fanny Woods saying prayers for Kansas City. Absolutely. Yesterday, I'm sure you all saw the news, the unfortunate shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs parade. Terrible. Kids involved. One person lost their life. The good news I heard today was all of the patients at the Children's Hospital are expected to make a full recovery. So that is great news. Look for the positives. I'm sure we'll start to learn more information about what the hell happened. But, yeah, our prayers go out to everybody in Kansas City for sure. But let's get a little roll call from the Power Hour crew. We are streaming live, not only on the Jacob Sports Network, but we are also live across all my social media platforms. So make sure you're following and subscribe to Bill Calarulo everywhere as well. And I see Rob from Temple in the house. Adam's Exploits, Flexin and Steppin, Thaddeus, Chwiz, Fanny, RJ, I'm Awake, Carlos, Franny Iardi, William Stark, Big D, A-Track, Wine Niners Wine. Who else we got in the house? Sack the QB. Denise Lorada is here. And a bunch of people checking in on TikTok as well. Good morning. Welcome to the Philly Sports Power Hour. A lot to talk about today. And if I missed you, I apologize, but thank you for being here. Let's talk about the Philadelphia Flyers. Because the big news yesterday, Sean Couturier named the 20th captain in Philadelphia Flyers history. And this is well-deserved. This has been earned for the last 12 seasons by Sean Couturier. He's now 31 years old, 
I remember when they drafted him, his rookie season, 19 years old. And the way it works in the NHL is he was able to play 10 games before they had to make a decision. Are they going to keep him at the NHL level in his rookie deal, or were they going to send him back to juniors? And Couturier, at only 19 years old, was so impressive as a rookie, he makes that roster his rookie season, and the rest has been history. Has turned into one of the best two-way centers in the NHL. In fact, was recognized by the NHL in the 2019-20 season with the Selkie Award, which goes to the best defensive forward. And I told you, he has turned into one of the best two-way players in the NHL. And he had a battle back from injury. The last two years haven't been easy for Coots. Two back surgeries, but he battles back. He's now played the fifth most games in franchise history. And I loved what Tortorella said about him last week, saying he's a crusty old pro. And it's amazing because I remember seeing Couturier at 19 years old. He was living with Danny Briere at Danny Briere's house in Haddonfield. And I remember being out to dinner in Haddonfield, and Couturier walks in with Danny Briere, and Couturier legitimately was a kid, 19 years old, and now he's being referred to as a crusty old pro. So I love this. And what I love the most is there was some chatter that maybe Couturier would be available at the trade deadline. This solidifies, this guarantees what I was hoping and what I thought that Sean Couturier will be a part of this rebuild. This rebuild that has turned out to be a lot quicker than we all thought it was going to be. But Couturier, the 20th captain in Flyers history, I couldn't be more excited and proud of Coots, who's been here for a really long time. We've seen him go from a kid literally a kid, to the crusty old pro that Tortorella called him last week. They also name as alternates Travis Konechny and Scott Lawton. Another two excellent choices. I know a lot of people thought maybe Konechny would get the C. I like this. Coots is your captain. Konechny is your alternate along with Scotty Lawton. And I'm also hoping that this means Scotty Lawton's safe. At the tr- <coughs> Excuse me. Uh-oh. <coughs> Here we go. Here we go. We haven't heard that in a while. But I'm also hoping this means Scotty Lawton is safe as well because I do think that these three guys, Couturier, Konechny, and Lawton, are leaders you can build a team around. So, Fly Guys back in action tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And tomorrow, we're going to be joined by... Our first Flyers guest, a buddy of mine, captain, or excuse me, captain, head coach of the Shawnee ice hockey team, the Haverford School ice hockey team. So we're going to get him here to talk some Flyers tomorrow. So I know not everyone are Flyers fans, but I want to start doing some hockey talk because we look at the other organizations in this city. Flyers may be the closest thing we get to a long playoff run in the next probably year. Maybe, hopefully, the Phillies, and we'll talk some Phillies, but that won't be until October, so let's hope. But the other team in this town that we're hoping makes a nice playoff run is our 76ers. And the 76ers blew an opportunity last night. That would have been a big win 
second in a row right before the All-Star break, and every win matters for this team now. With Joel out, hoping that he comes back, every win matters for playoff seeding. We don't want to see them fall into the play-in tournament, and they had a great opportunity last night. At home, you're going up against a Heat team that had no Jimmy Butler, no Terry Rozier, no Josh Richardson, no Drew Smith. Now, I get it. The Sixers were also missing, obviously, Joel. No Tobias again. No DeAnthony Melton again. No Nico Batum again. No Robert Covington again. And Kyle Lowry, although he signed, isn't ready. But I was hoping they were going to steal a win before the All-Star break. But, look, I'll try to be positive today with this Sixers team. I said it on Monday. Do I owe Daryl Morey an apology because I was angry over the weekend on the Fanatic about him trying to sell us on the idea that Buddy Heald was the best player moved at the deadline. I think he even said opposing teams fear Buddy Heald. And I'm saying, come on, Daryl, relax. Well, I'll tell you what, Buddy Heald, I know it's only been a few games, but Buddy Heald is turning out to be 10 times better than I ever could have thought or imagined. Look, we knew he could shoot the three ball. We knew that. He gets a career high 10 assists last night. And through his first four or five games with the team, he's over 20 points every single game. And the way he dishes the ball, picking up these assists left and right, and the spacing he provides on the court. I'm starting to get a little bit excited here that if Joel does come back and Tyrese Maxey continues to play at the level he can play at, he dropped 30 last night, and now you add Buddy Heald, hopefully DeAnthony Melton comes back healthy, hopefully Nick Nurse gets the best out of Tobias Harris, and now you got a nice bench. Paul Reed starting to play well, so he could be good coming off the bench. You'll have Kyle Lowry coming off the bench. Nico Batum, I don't know, campaign, who they made the trade for that a lot of people were upset, including myself, that they traded away. Pat Bev, I didn't think it was as big of a deal as some people thought. But campaign looks good. So I don't know. I mean, I I allow myself every year, and I know we all do this, to get excited and then the Sixers let us down. But you look at some of these pieces and some of these moves, If Joel can come back, they do have some depth. They do have the depth to maybe steal some series. I still don't think they can get past the Boston Celtics. But, hey, we'll worry about that when the time comes. But you look right now, Sixers have the eighth best odds to win the NBA title. And they have the fifth best odds to get out of the East. What's crazy is Cleveland has less odds to win it all, but better odds to win the Eastern Conference than the Sixers. So I don't understand that one. Probably just the way they think it's going to set up and and all that. But we'll talk some more Sixers with Farzee when he joins the show. Let's talk some Eagles for a second. Because if you follow this show, if you follow me, you know I've been saying it for a couple of weeks that this was coming with Hassan Reddick. None of this Reddick stuff is surprising to me and shouldn't be surprising to you because we talked about it two weeks ago. We knew it was coming because of the contract. 
So now it gets reported, and we haven't had a chance to talk about this yet because I wasn't here yesterday. Well, now it gets reported by Jordan Schultz of Bleacher Report that Hassan Reddick said to him, I would like to get an extension done here at home. At no point did I ever tell the organization I want to be traded. This is home for me. I was born and raised here. Two of the most fun years playing football in my life came here. I've cherished being an Eagle. And I've seen some fans and some media outlets running with this, talking about how dare the Eagles try to spin this, that they granted him permission to seek a trade. He never asked for a trade. What are they doing? What is Howie Roseman doing? This is all part of the business. This is all expected and anticipated. And yeah, Reddick didn't go to them and say, I want to be traded. But clearly what Reddick went to them and said was, I want to be paid like Miles Garrett. I want to get over $25 million a year. So what the Eagles did, and look, you know I have been hard on Howie Roseman about the way he built this defense. But what Howie Roseman did here, I'm in complete agreement with. He says to Reddick, you want to be paid over $25 million. He says to his agent, you want to be paid that much money. Well, listen, here's what we're going to let you do. Go out there. You have permission to talk to other teams about a potential trade. See what other teams would be willing to pay you. And then come back and let's talk. Because we don't think paying you over $25 million is fair market value. We love you. We would love for you to be a part of this team. But we just don't think we can pay you that much money. It's all part of the business. They did the same thing last year with Darius Slay. I love this approach. If Reddick thinks he's worth more than $25 million, then go see if another team will pay it to you. And if they will, no hard feelings. As much as I love Reddick, we have way too many other needs. So I would rather see them make the trade, recoup that cap space, it's going to have to be something that benefits the Eagles in the cap space because right now his cap hit for 2024 is close to $22 million. So what I think I would like better is Reddick, who's, what, going to be 30 years old? Instead of paying him $25 million, maybe you go out in free agency and sign a younger player for the same amount of money. And the beautiful part there is unlike Reddick, who has a $22 million cap hit this year, you may be able to get creative like Howie Roseman does, sign the guy to a three- or four-year deal, push the big cap number down the road into a couple of years, and now you get a younger player, a, a pass rusher who's just as effective as Reddick, but now a less of a cap hit, he's younger, and you got him locked up for the next three or four years. So I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but what I'm saying is, I want us to all relax and let this play out. There's no need to overreact to what's going on with Reddick. Number one, it shouldn't be a surprise. And number two, we don't necessarily know how it's all going to play out. And I see my man in the chat, Kenny Sanders the second, saying, when are we going to hear about some Penn State football? Kenny Sanders is my teammate, college football. And he's been with the Penn State Nittany Lions for a long time. Does a great job with scouting and everything else on that Penn State team. What's going on, Kenny? Good to see you here, my man. 
So we'll talk some Penn State. Not today, but we'll talk some Penn State. Also, before we break and we're joined by Mark Barzetta, I just want to talk quickly about the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. Because we've talked about, hold on, before we move on, I see Paul Mancini asking about who's the younger edge players available. Exactly. Brian Burns, Chase Young. I'm not a huge Chase Young guy. Brian Burns is one. Josh Allen is another. Andrew Van Ginkle, who just played under Vic Fangio in Miami. You know, these are guys that maybe you could get a little bit cheaper. How old's Van Ginkle now? Let's see how old Van Ginkle is. So he's 28. So not as young as some of these other guys. But if you could get a Van Ginkle in here, we have a lot of other needs on this defense. A lot of other needs. So if Reddick wants to be paid over $25 million, I don't think they're going to do it, especially with the way the cap would work and the cap hits. But real quickly, 49ers Kyle Shanahan. We keep talking about how this 49ers team loves to make excuses for everything. And now Kyle Shanahan fires Steve Wilkes as defensive coordinator. You had this season the number three defense in the entire NFL, giving up only 17 points a game. The number three rushing defense, a top 10 defense in terms of total yards against, top seven in sacks. And you go into this Super Bowl against the greatest player we may have ever seen at the quarterback position, and you hold him to 19 points in regulation. And it was Kyle Shanahan's decision to take the ball to start overtime, to give Patrick Mahomes not three downs, but four downs that entire last drive. You have one of the best offenses in the league with Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams, and you only put up 19 points in the damn Super Bowl, and you fire your defensive coordinator? So just like these players were making excuses for an entire year, pointing the finger at everybody else after the NFC Championship game, I remember questioning, why isn't Kyle Shanahan telling these players to shut up? That if this was the Eagles, I know Sirianni, and Howie Roseman would have been telling them, stop making the excuses publicly. Stop talking. Well, now, clearly it's because it comes from Kyle Shanahan. You're going to fire your defensive coordinator when, let's be honest, you were the reason that you lost that Super Bowl in overtime? You were the reason that your team kicked off, excuse me, took the ball instead of kicking off and gave Patrick Mahomes four downs? crazy, man. I'm going to love watching the Super Bowl hangover take its effect on this 49ers team. That's for damn sure. Going to love every second of it. Now, the only thing that scares me is if the 49ers go out there and they bring in a Mike Vrabel or a Bill Belichick to be their DC, which is a real possibility, but we'll keep monitoring that. But when we get back from the break, we're going to be joined by my man, Mark Farzetta, who we haven't had on the show in a couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to talking to Farzi. We got to talk to him about the Eagles, the Sixers, the Flyers, and the Fighting Phils. Pitchers and catchers reported yesterday. I know Farzi's excited about that. So stay tuned. Hit that like button for me. Hit that share button. And when we get back, Mark Farzetta on the Power Hour. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. 
go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody, and welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour. I'm Bill Calarulo. Again, I apologize for missing yesterday. It hurt missing my Power Hour crew on Valentine's Day of all days. But I'm going to make it up to you today because not only am I here, but the one and only Mark Farzetta joining the Power Hour. What's going on, my brother? What was going on there yesterday? A little Valentine's getaway? You couldn't do Power Hour? What's going on there? I wish, man. I was sick. I lost my nah. voice. Nah. Sorry to hear I'm that. not used to this, man. I'm talking seven days a week now because <laughs> I do this five days, and then I do the radio show Saturday yeah. and Sunday, and then I just lost my voice. I got to get – what do you – is it the espresso that helps with the voice? What is it, <laughs> I, I mean, the, the old standby of uh, the old tea with honey, that seems to be a pretty damn good cure-all for me. Uh, also, staying away from anything dairy. 
the cheeses, the milks, whatever, ice cream, those are a killer. And Gatorade, for whatever reason, Gatorade would kill my voice also. So those are the things I've stayed away from ever since I started talking into a, a microphone with great regularity. Those are the those are the keys. Yeah, Philly sports talk doesn't work when you can't talk. It's kind of a big big factor in that. Yeah, the hot takes through sign language don't really don't really hit. You know what I'm saying? Well, there's one there's one sign you could give. We won't do it on the show, but <laughs> you could read between the lines on that one. The universal, I, yes. So you weren't here last week. So Correct. I had Big Sills in the house instead. So him and I had a nice little nice little debate. But I want to talk to you. There's so much to talk about because it's been a couple of weeks. Let's start with the Super Bowl. You and I didn't get a chance to talk about the Super Bowl. What do you think, first of all, about Kyle Shanahan and some of the decisions he made in that game and now it being reported they fired Steve Wilkes, their defensive coordinator? Yeah, he was the problem, that guy. Man, he was losing guys, loses green law, and then, you know, it's all his fault they lost the Super Bowl. That it was just, that's just stupid. They had a great defense, and they have a lot of key players on that defense. Obviously, that are pretty special, and he knows how to corral them, and he knows how to organize them. He knows how to deploy them, and for some reason, he gets canned after that Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan looks like a moron. He looks like a moron for taking the ball and then saying, "Oh, well, it's all about who's going to score third. It's like the, what? The, okay, all right, whatever you say there, pal. And then also, like, there was a number of things that went wrong in that. That was one of them. Uh, the fact that he didn't communicate the rules to his team and everyone was dumbfounded. Eric and Eric Armstrong had to look up at the video board to be like, hold on a second, guys. Are you guys seeing this? Do you see guys? Do you guys see the rules for overtime? This is, oh, we can all, everyone gets the ball. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, and then what killed me, and you and I talked about this throughout the Eagles season, because the Eagles did this a number of times, where they would get the ball back. They had, they had, won, they had won the coin toss or they deferred, whatever the case was, and they were getting the ball. After halftime. So they're getting the ball to start the second half. And they would get the ball deep in their own territory with 30, 30, 40 seconds left on the clock and two or three timeouts. And it'd be like, all right, let's run a couple plays and just see what we get. Maybe we can get a score. We, even if we get a field goal, maybe we could have a 10 point swing after the first possession of the second half. And Kyle Shanahan did not call timeouts, did not use any of his timeouts towards the end of the first half and get the ball back and at least attempt to get into field goal range, which, by the way, in the Super Bowl, field goal range was 55 yards, all right? That is incredible, and they didn't even attempt that. Uh, I, I said going into it, the Chiefs were going to win 27-20, to 20. Um, turned out to be 25-22. to 22. I just didn't feel like there was going to be a time where Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and that Chiefs defense, Steve Spagnuolo, were going to lose. I just felt like they were going to win that game. The only time I really felt like it was threatened was when Mahomes threw the interception coming out of halftime. And I, I, I had a similar flashback to – or I had a flashback to the Eagles and Jalen Hurts' fumble, which quickly turned into seven points for the Chiefs. With that botched punt return by the 49ers, and the very next play ending up in the end zone for the Chiefs, I went right back to the Eagles and was like, you can't spot Patrick Mahomes seven points. You cannot yep. – There, you have to play near-perfect, mistake-free football if you're going to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, especially with as good as their defense was. So I love the Super Bowl. I love the halftime show. I love the Christopher Walken commercial. Uh, I, I thought the Dunk Kings commercial was fantastic. Uh, I love just about everything about that night. Like a good neighbor. I, I like that one. With Arnold. She's in labor. <laughs> I, 
I like that one a lot. Oh, it was but, great. Yeah. yeah you, you make a great point. You can't spot Patrick Mahomes seven points. And unfortunately, as well as Jalen Hurts played in Super Bowl 57, it was that one fumble that really changed probably the entire outcome of the game. But let me ask you this. Now being able to look back at Super Bowl 57 and as well as Jalen Hurts played in that big game, and then you look at what Brock Purdy just did, and I know it's a different season, it's a different Chiefs defense, but do you feel a little bit better about Jalen Hurts going into 2024 after just watching Brock Purdy kind of have an okay game in Super Bowl 58? I feel better about – I mean, I always thought Jalen Hurts was going to bounce back and have a good year in this upcoming season. In 2024, uh, with Kellen Moore being here, I have even more reason to believe that Jalen Hurts is going to have a, a bounce back year because if he could still be in the MVP conversation in the game leading into uh, in the week leading into the 49ers game, and he could do all that with a offense coordinator that's never called plays before. What's he going to do with a guy that has plenty of experience calling plays, has had success calling plays in the NFL, has had a number one ranked offense in the NFL in both yards and points, has worked with multiple different quarter, multiple quarterbacks here, not just Dak Prescott, but now Justin Herbert, also working with a veteran and Andy Dalton. Hell, the man even worked with Ben DiNucci, who was the uh, – I mean, Ben DiNucci crawled so that uh, Tommy DeVito could run. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are the people – that uh, that Kellen Moore has worked with, and now he's going to get his hands on on Jalen Hurts. I feel like you're going to see a brand new offense. And it's not going to be you know the Vic Fangio defense time and time again uh, with different guys trying to run it. This is going to be a completely revamped offense. And if you're Kellen Moore, if you're Jalen Hurts, you're looking forward to getting to work and using the pieces that you're, that are at your disposal to help uh, Jalen Hurts, Kellen Moore, and this entire offense have success. So I'm excited as well about Kellen Moore and what he's going to do for this offense. But there's another big question mark on that offense, and that is who's going to play center? Now, I've been taking some heat from the Power Hour crew and some people on social media because I've said that I would like to see Jason Kelsey retire. Mm. I don't think this team, with all of the needs that they have across the board and on defense, has the luxury of having the highest paid center in the league, which is what Jason Kelsey was last year. So I'm of the belief I'm okay with the drop-off in play. Let's move Cam Jurgens. It's the reason you drafted him to center. Let Jason Kelsey enjoy Fox or Amazon or ESPN, whatever he's going to do, because he could do anything he wants. And let's take the money elsewhere. Let's build that defense. Let's maybe get a, a third wide receiver that's a threat instead of Quez Watkins, a second tight end that's a threat instead of Jack Stoll. First of all, I mean, it's a two-part question for you. What do you think he's going to do, Jason Kelsey? And then, two, what would you want him to do? I think he is going to play, and I want him to play. Uh, it's very rare nowadays where you see one of the people is like the, one of the highest paid players at their position in any sport, and they're the best. And if he's not the best, he's the second best. I mean, he's a top two at worst in the NFL. He's obviously a Hall of Famer. He's still very much playing at a high level. And what he means to this team, this locker room, and making sure they stick together. Like, look, the fact that everybody could come out to a man and say that everyone stuck together despite the turmoil, despite how the season ended, I think that has a lot to do with Fletcher Cox and Jason Kelsey. I think you're going to lose Fletcher Cox. I think Fletcher Cox is done. Uh, Brandon Graham, I think, is sticking around, but he's going to be in a reduced role. My feeling is you need Jason Kelsey to stick around, and I think he's going to be worth every penny he gets in the upcoming season. If he was going to retire, 
I think he would have done it by now after the Super Bowl. I know he's got time to think about it. And I know if you watch the Kelsey documentary on Amazon and you saw him take it down to the last minute of making the announcement and, and mulling it over for as long as he did, with the gut punch that you had against the Bucks, if you're not going to retire then, I don't think you're retiring. Uh, the fact that it's dragged, I mean, I hate to even use the term dragged on, but the fact that we're still talking about it the way that we're talking about it, the fact that he still talks about the team in a lot of instances as we, when he gave that Nick Sirianni uh, vote of confidence on the New Heights podcast, I know everyone heard him giving that vote of confidence, but all I heard was we. But then he goes out and he interviews with ESPN. He goes out and talks to all the networks out there in uh, Vegas, does his New Heights podcast, experiences the Super Bowl victory for his brother and all that. And he actually used the term for the first time ever, they, when talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. He was on Chris Long's Green Light podcast, and he referred to the Eagles as they, them, and their multiple times, which is why I took a step back and said, wow, he's he's retiring. Because I've never heard him talk about the Eagles in third person before this week. Yeah, he when he did an interview on the field in Baltimore when the when the uh, Ravens lost to the Chiefs and obviously Travis Kelsey went on to the Super Bowl. When he did an interview on the field with Olivia Reiner, the Inquirer, he gave two really interesting quotes. One had to do with envisioning envisioning himself scratching the itch of competitive nature by staying around the Eagles, not playing for the Eagles, but staying around the Eagles. And that was the first time I heard him talk about anything that would scratch that itch that wasn't playing, whether that be in the front office, whether it be scouting, whether it be an advisor, an ambassador, uh, whether that being swoop, part-time, whatever the case might be, because he could do it all. But then he rallied around the idea of, man, this team's going to be really good. And he said, we could do this, we could do that. I really want to be around it. Then the next gear is what you're referencing there with uh, Chris Long. When he said, I'm trying not to, and this is the first time you heard him remove himself from the Eagles. I'm trying not to let the fact that they're going to be really good influence my decision. That, to me, is a man that is in a in the state of making the decision. He's at the point of making the decision where he is removing himself from it as much as he can, looking at it, no pun intended, from a bird's eye view, and going, what am I doing? Do I want to continue to play? I can, and I can play at a high level. I might have, I, I definitely have one year left in me in terms of being able to play. Do I want that to be the case? Do I want to enjoy my family? Do I want to not have to, you know, run around and stay in somewhat of shape and bang my head on every play? Do I not want to put the guardian helmet on my helmet to go into OTAs? Do I not want to go through all that? The, the thing that jumped out to me, even more so than they, was mentally prepare. Can I mentally prepare myself for another year? That's a daunting thing because if you decide you're in, but you, you're in it because you think the team's going to be really good. You think that uh, retirement's just not for you just yet, but this is better than retirement. So I'm just going to play. If you're just doing it for that, you're going to get distracted easy. You're not going to be in great shape. You're not going to be focused. If mentally speaking, you're not wrapping your head around the idea of playing for one full year, you could be in week three going, what the hell was I thinking? If things don't start out well, if the Kellen Moore offense doesn't click, if Vic Fangio's defense sucks, if Brazil sucks, you could be like, what the hell was I thinking? So the idea of him wrapping his head around mentally playing one more year, that's the phase of the retirement process that he's in. If he comes out on the other side of that saying, I still got plenty left to go, then I think we'll get one more great year of Jason Kelsey. 
Well, there's another question mark now on the other side of the football, and that is Hassan Reddick. So it was reported <laughs> over the weekend on Super Bowl Sunday that the Eagles have granted him permission to seek a trade. He then comes out earlier this week and says, hey, I never asked for a trade. I want to be here. What's going on, and do you think Reddick is here next year? I think Reddick is here next year. Uh, I love how the story was reported in in both areas because I feel like some of this was, I guess, punitive is the best word to use here. Um, vengeful would be another one, a more dramatic one, a clickbaity one, where the Eagles took absolute exception to Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick sitting at his locker, standing at his locker, answering questions about moving from Sean Desai uh, to Matt Patricia, him scoffing at the idea of being dropped back in coverage as many times as he was, him acknowledging that there was a lot of confusion because of the change in defensive coordinator or defensive play caller, and him also telling that, oh, well, if the higher-ups wanted to make a decision to change defensive play caller, that's what they wanted to do. Yeah, I, do you have any doubt in your mind that Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman, and maybe even a little bit of Nick Sirianni went, oh, that's not great. Uh, if they had an opportunity to drag Hassan Reddick's name through the mud, which they did this offseason. They did it. A player asking for a raise, a player asking to be fair market value after $30 million of his $45 million was fully guaranteed and fully paid to this point of the $45 million, the, the $30 million guaranteed. It, it, you saying go ahead and look around the market is not the same thing as we have given him permission to seek a trade. It's not the same thing. It could be spun that way. Because, yeah, you, semantics, it can be spun that way. But bottom line is the Eagles took an opportunity here to make him look like an ass and make him look like not a team guy. And you know what, something? You know what, Bill? I don't appreciate it. I don't like it. I'm campus on Reddick. I want him back this year. If you're going to have look big, at it, you didn't look, I didn't it, like look at it like that. That's that's an interesting. And, and now that you're saying that, Farzi, you may not be wrong that it was leaked the way that it was, because I also did find it interesting that it was reported by, I believe it was Rappaport on Super Bowl Sunday. And we know when the Eagles leak something, they like to leak it to the national media. <laughs> it's the way it's the way we found out about Sean Desai. It was on a Sunday morning or Saturday morning from yeah. Jay Glazer. Yeah. So when like Jeff McClain gets something, sometimes it's not the Eagles. But when it goes to these national reporters and the local guys don't have it, it's usually coming from up top. But see, I didn't look at it the way you're looking at it as, hey, they were trying to make Reddick look bad. I just thought – I've been saying this for two weeks that this was coming because yeah. if you looked at his contract, it wasn't only that he wants more money. It's that his cap hit goes from $7 million this past season up to $22 million <laughs> this season. So they don't want him under that deal either, I don't think. Yeah, I think so they'll they restructure. Had to come to, they had to come to an agreement. But, but how is this different than when they said last year – We've granted Darius Slay permission to seek a trade. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it is that different, but this isn't. We have we're the, we, let's start at the beginning. The beginning of the Hassan Reddick trash campaign wasn't the contract. It was wow, the Hassan Reddick wouldn't even talk to Sean Desai. Oh my God, we had to make this change. So already you're dragging the guy's name through the mud. I one billion percent believe that that came from the Eagles. So this isn't started a contract. We didn't hear anything about Darius Slay until it came time to, yeah, go ahead, check, test the market, look around. And then the last minute, you got James Bradbury and you got Darius Slay. It's like, what the hell is going on here? Not both these guys were going were gonna to be coming back. Certainly not both of them, at least one of them, maybe. The difference is Darius Slay doesn't say the same things that Hassan Reddick said this past year. 
And when everything was becoming a blaze, everything was being lit on fire. He was the guy saying, yeah, that building over that's on fire. And the Eagles were like, no, 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 don't, no, pay no attention to the building on fire. Nothing's going on over there. But Sal Rex like, no, no, that's burning. A.J. Brown even played things down. And he's still known as a diva. He had nothing but beautiful things and puppy dogs and ice cream and unicorns to talk about during his 13-minute locker room session after he didn't talk for two and a half weeks. Hassan Reddick talks the very next day, lights the Eagles on fire. Nobody hears it except for the Eagles front office. Yeah, I don't, we'll see how it plays out. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. My bet out. is restructure, he's back. So that's what I think as well because I don't think – and I love Hassan Reddick. I think he's a great defensive player, but I don't think – that he should be paid the way Miles Garrett or TJ Watt are paid. I don't think he's on their level. Now, right. does he make that much money simply because every year position players get paid more and more and they sign their contracts a couple of years ago? But if he's looking for more than $25 million, as much as it would pain me to say, because I do like Reddick, I don't think the Eagles should pay him over $25 million. I, I think $20 million sounds right to me. He's making 15 now. Miles Garrett's making 25. Let's meet in the middle, give him like a two or three year extension, and everybody's happy. But they got to get that cap hit down. That's what would be nice. If you agree to an extension, not only is he happy, you can really get that cap hit to come way down. And, and also, uh, Hassan Reddick still, look, for anyone that wants to play social media detective, I was looking at this the other day when I was looking for his tweet when he qu quoted Jordan Schultz about not ever asking for a trade. He just wanted a raise. Um, I noticed on his Twitter, he still has it pinned the day he signed with the Eagles. I'm coming home, like all excited, you know? So like when we, when we analyze this stuff with AJ Brown, like, oh, he hates the Eagles. He took everything off. Well, this guy is, he's, he loves being here. He's a temple guy. He's a South Jersey guy. He wants to be here with the Philadelphia Eagles. Also, let me just ask you this real quick. When you're talking about a Vic Fangio defense, we all know that an all out blitz in a Vic Fangio defense, if it happens at all, is like, uh, sending the house in a Fangio scheme is is five men rush the quarterback. All right, I'd very much like it that if you're only going to have five, that one of those guys is a Son Reddick. That's the way I look at it. So if you're talking about quarters, if you're talking about uh, not blitzing a whole lot, uh, one of the things that I would like to see is at least a Son Reddick be one of those guys in a few and far between instances. Uh, Vic Fangio actually blitzes. Yeah, and real quick before we move on, Philly 007 says twenty million. What about the positions on defense? Well, Philly 007, I know you're here every day, and you hear me preach it every day. It's not that important about the number they're paying him. It's the cap hit. So right now, under his current deal, he has a $22 million cap hit. So if they're able to actually give him a raise but push that cap hit down the road, which we know Howie Roseman would like to do, that's why I'm suggesting the $20 million is it puts more money in his pocket, but it actually allows you to spend more money as an Eagles team to fill that defense. But enough Eagles talk. <laughs> We got to talk some 76ers real quick, and then oh. I want to talk about the fight in Phil's. But we didn't get a chance to speak. The Sixers trade deadline last Thursday, they make some moves. They bring in Buddy Heald. They trade Pat Bev. They bring in Campaign. They get rid of Jaden Springer. We now can officially say Kyle Lowry is coming home. Over the weekend on my radio show, I was mad at Daryl Morey. I was saying, don't try to pull the wool over our eyes telling us you got the best player at the trade deadline in Buddy Heald. <laughs> the only reason he was the best player was because everybody else got traded a week or two before. And now I'm saying, do I owe Daryl Morey an apology? Because Buddy Heald looks <laughs> pretty damn good, Farzee. What uh, do you think about the trades the Sixers made? I I really like the trades. 
I'm amazed that the team right now won two in a row where they've been missing just about everybody. Buddy Heald has had obviously room to grow and get acclimated to playing with Tyrese Maxey. Ricky Council the fourth has been a god. I just I love his game and I love his mindset. I love his mentality. You know, a lot of people talk about being that dog, but they ain't that dog. I'm that dog. Like I love like preach rookie preach. Um, he's a tenacious player and I really like watching him. The trades for me are good. I like the trades. I even like bringing in Kyle Lowry. I said the only take to have on this trade on this acquisition of Kyle Lowry though is not getting a six-time all-star because those days are done. He's not, he ain't that guy anymore. He's not going to be starting the vast majority of his games. I think of the 28 games he played in or 29 games he played in with the Heat. He only he started all but two of them. I believe that's the number for him. Uh he's he's not that all-star caliber player anymore, but he is a leader. He's another dog. You don't have PJ Tucker, and that's all. Speaking of things being set on fire, um, you don't have PJ Tucker. You don't have Marcus Morris now. You don't have Patrick Beverly. You need someone else to come in here and be a little bit more of that experienced veteran dog. And Kyle Lowry is that guy. If Nick Nurse is having trouble, sink, you know, having a message sink in, Kyle Lowry is the guy that can obviously drive that message home. You need a little bit of a floor general, a natural point guard. Kyle Lowry can be that for you know, 17 minutes, 20 tops nowadays. He's not going to be playing 28 minutes a game like he has been in Miami. He's not going to be playing the 35 minutes a game like he was in Toronto. It's a good acquisition. All three acquisitions are good. What's a bigger story to me is what they could mean. The Sixers in two weeks are going to find out what's going on with Joel Embiid. I believe right before the deadline, they got a good feeling or they got good news, something encouraging that said, all right, you know what? We can't go out there and break the bank or, or trade every asset, or you know, we can kick the tires like Daryl Morey did on LeBron James and Kevin Durant, God bless him, and Devin Booker. Uh, all right. Uh, that, that wasn't happening. Hey, and I believe... Is no. That's yeah, right. ex exactly. And who was it? Rob Plinkley that came out right at the... Answered the phone. So it was Daryl Morey and just went, he's not available. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> so you love that at least the phone calls were made. But I think that these trades at least mean that Joel Embiid is not done for the season. I think it means that Joel Embiid is going to come back. I think he's going to – I think what they have to do is they have to play him at least two or three weeks before the playoffs, and hopefully they have enough time to do that, and let him ramp up, let him get in shape, load management the hell out of him, 15, 20 minutes you know, a night just to get him going, and then have him ready for the playoffs. I believe these deals are in place – to help the Sixers win right now when Joel Embiid comes back. That doesn't mean that they're finals favorites, but it puts him in the best possible position with a as close to healthy as possible Joel Embiid by the end of the season. Yeah, let's hope Joel, because obviously if he doesn't come back, none of this matters. Mm -hmm. But before we get into the fills, a little Flyers talk too. Look at us going four for four today. They named Sean Couturier their 20th captain last night. <sighs> I'm excited, man. I, I, I'm happy because to me, not only do I think he's earned it, but now I'm happy because I had been hearing some rumbling that, hey, maybe Couturier would be available at the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. This almost guarantees he will be here and be a part of this rebuild, which I think is a smart decision. What do you think about them naming him a captain? It's long overdue. I mean, we know about the injuries, the back injury and all that stuff. He had to overcome that. He could show that he could be he had to show that he could be healthy, he could be on the ice regularly. Because you don't want a guy, oh, he's captain in a name only, but he got three alternates running around out there, skating around out there that are filling the void when he's not there. I, I was when I was watching the game the other night, he did a post-game interview, and I'm watching him and I'm just like, just get make this guy the captain already. Like I li I literally had that thought. Like, 
Yeah. Just make him the captain. Let's go. Everyone understands he's next in line after Claude Giroux. Travis Konechny, not yet, at least. And talking about a guy that could be gone. I don't want to see him gone, but could be gone because he gets something back, 25 goals so far in the season. But you look at Sean Couturier, it was long overdue. Everybody knew when Claude Giroux's time was up in Philadelphia, the next guy, if he could stay healthy long enough for him to name be named the captain, was Sean Couturier. The guy has been great as a flyer. He has been a great team player. And in a beautiful little off-the-ice drama story here in a good way, Sean Couturier was the roommate of Danny Briere when Sean Couturier was drafted, and by some, the steal of that draft. He roomed with Danny Briere. Danny Briere said, you could some stay, you could some uh, come stay with me and my sons in, in my house, and that's where, you could, that's where you could live. And he was like, great. Now Danny Briere is the general manager yeah. of the Philadelphia Flyers, and Sean Couturier is the captain. I love it. The guy is a, a, um, a throwback in style of play to the Broad Street Bullies in terms of he'll do anything on the ice that the team needs. You don't see him fight, obviously, but he's a scrappy player who plays great defense still, can still handle the puck, and he's a very smart heads-up player. And he plays it with the mentality that every night is game seven, and that's what you want in the captain. Yeah, I love Tortorella's quote last week. He's a crusty old pro. And it's just <laughs> it's just funny to hear Couturier now because it shows you and I are getting old too. Because to hear Couturier being referred to as a crusty old pro, I remember the 19-year-old Sean Couturier who was living in Haddonfield with Danny Briere. Before you joined the show, I talked about how I was out to dinner in Haddonfield and Couturier comes walking in with Danny Briere and the kids, and it looks like Couturier <laughs> is one of the kids. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you know, it, look, it's just I'm happy he's here. I'm happy he's going to be a part of the rebuild. You did mention something, though, about Konechny, and I pray to God, and I think them naming him an alternate captain hopefully ensures that he's here too. I don't want to see them trade Konechny. I, I think he's a part of this. I think he should be – I know he would bring back something because he's a good player, but I think he's a player that you build around – and I just hope and pray that when the trade deadline comes, I know they're going to make some moves, and I know they have their eyes set on the future, but I want playoff hockey, Farsi. I want playoff hockey. I don't want to see them be complete sellers. Don't completely blow this thing up because they do have a young nucleus. I, I really do wonder how committed they're going to be to an actual rebuild. And I don't mean they have to go full-blown hinky process or anything like that, but before the season – I remember saying, you know, don't do anything crazy in terms of don't make any big acquisition, don't make any big trade, don't try to win now and all that. But then they're playing well. They're in good standings in the Metro. They got this nice four-game winning streak going after the All-Star break. They have looked good. Ursan and Ned has looked really good. Uh, they obviously named their captain. So, like, things are going in the right direction. John Tortorella seems excited about the way these guys are playing. Um, the, show, the fact that they show fight is a beautiful thing. And Scott Lawton had the beautiful wraparound goal the other night as the game winner. That was, a, that was a beautiful thing. So I'm watching all this and I'm, they're in a much better spot than I thought they would be in. And I sure. miss playoff hockey too, but I want playoff hockey. Like we had it when we were kids. Like it was like, Oh, the flyers. Oh yeah. They might be bad for a year or two, but then they're back and they're going to yeah. be contended for the Stanley cup every single year. And you always felt like the Flyers, it could, oh, wow, this could be the year. This could be the year with the Flyers. And, of course, I'm talking about, you know, the Lindros and Recky and, and the Claire days and Desjardins and Hextall and Garth Snow and all these guys, right? Beezer, Remember the shoulder the, pads? Remember the Garth Snow shoulder pads? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm looking back on. And I want to get back to those as fast as possible. But with that being said, I'm trying not to get – I'm trying oh, – here's the word I'll use. 
I'm trying not to get seduced by the recent success of the Philadelphia Flyers and keep my eye on the prize, which is sustained success. So if if they get a group, yeah, the leadership group looks like they are. Yeah, yeah. And if they get offered something great uh, for TK, then you got a part. I don't want to see him go. I don't want him to be forced out. I don't want them to take like a second round pick or anything stupid like that. I, I you got to get good return on that investment if you're going to dish him. But I would hate to see Coots gone. I'd hate to see TK gone. And I, I like the core that's around there now. Yeah, and they've said all this, all of that. You know, Briere, even Tortorella has said, "Look, we're not falling in love with anybody. This is the." not to use the word process, but this is what our plans were and we're going to stick to the plan. So I agree with it. It's frustrating because you do want to be selfish and say, hey, we won't play off hockey, but it's smart to say, let's build a sustained contender. But we're running out of time real quick. Fighting Phil's pitchers and catchers report yesterday. How you feeling about this team, Farzi? Just hearing the cleats on the gravel, on the concrete, just hearing the pop of the mitt, well, Zach Wheeler throws to Garrett Stubbs or JT Real Muto or whatever. Just hearing that uh, music to my ears. And also hearing uh, from Rob Thompson, we played it on the show this morning. Rob Thompson talking about how hungry this team is. They're ready to fire. They're ready to go. They got maybe an outfield spot open. Cody Bellinger, baby. Um, and obviously, they got to get a deal done with Zach Wheeler. Hopefully soon. Because I do believe that played in the Aaron Nola struggles throughout the entire season a year ago. Yeah, I'm hoping they get Zach Wheeler's deal done. I mean, when I asked Rob Thompson, he says he can't talk about the contract right now, but I, I think yeah. they got to be close, man. He, he loves him, though. He stated yeah. that multiple times. We love Zach Wheeler. Hold on. We love Zach Wheeler. Like, all right, as give they him should. some money. As they should. As, Damn right. As they should. So one thing one thing about the Phils, what do you think the biggest question mark is with that team going into the season? Uh, That's a good question. I think the biggest question mark uh, – oof. Center field, maybe. I think is they Rojas, love Johan Rojas. Ready? See, I think they love Rojas. Uh, he put on some muscle, so hopefully that translates to some power. I set the over under at seven and a half home runs for Johan Rojas. <laughs> hopefully, he gets over that this year. Uh, Brandon Marsh is on schedule. I think the biggest question is whether or not they're going to add one more name. Whether that's Jordan Montgomery, whether that's uh, Cody Bellinger. I think that's a big thing. Bryce Harper taking over full responsibility at first base is big. And, look, I, they're not doing it. What the Phillies are going to do is Kyle Schwarber's leading off. But yeah, I would love fact. to see Trey Turner in the return to form that we saw from last year be the leadoff guy and him be on base uh, with Kyle Schwarber coming to the plate. That, to me, is music to my ears. I, that's what I hope they do. They're not going to because they're pretty damn good with Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff spot. But, uh, yeah, that might be a big question right there, too. All right. One word answer of the four major sports teams in Philadelphia, which team wins a championship? <laughs> One word. Uh, the Phillies. Ooh, that was two words, but I'll take it. Duh, sorry, Phils. <laughs> I won't even give you a word, just the abbreviation, Phils. <laughs> Farzi, I appreciate you, my man. It's good to see you. Make sure you check out the Farzi Show every day, 6 to 7 a.m. You could catch it here on Jacob Sports. You could catch it on Farzi's YouTube channel. And then he uploads it, obviously, to all the podcast platforms as well. So check out the Farzi Show. Always good. Who do you have tomorrow? Anybody on the show tomorrow? As of right now, uh, no guests. We're going to be recapping a lot of stuff with pitchers and catchers down there in Clearwater. Uh, some Eagles news, whatever the day gives us as far as that goes. And, of course, talk about what the next move could be for the Philadelphia 76ers. Awesome. I appreciate you, Farzi. Back at you, brother. 
My man, Mark Farzetta, always fun when he joins the show. But, yeah, check out the Farzee show every day here on the Jacob Sports Network, 6 to 7. Always does a great job. So we got some four for four, and I see you in the chat. I only have an hour, so we can't get into the wings and the union and all these other sports teams, but we went for the big four. We got the big four in. We did Eagles, Flyers, Sixers, Phillies. Look at us. Other news, we didn't really talk about it. Eagles signed an edge rusher, outside linebacker, Julian Aquara, former third-round pick. Back in 2020, 38 games, nine career sacks. We'll see. Maybe a change of scenery helps him out, but it's nothing to really move the needle there, but we will see. But like we end every single Philly Sports Power Hour with a little Today in Sports History, February 15th, 1996. The Cleveland Browns fired Bill Belichick. He was 36 and 44 in his career. The Cleveland Browns fire the great Bill Belichick. He then became the assistant head coach and D-backs coach for New England in 1996 under Bill Parcells. Then he goes to the New York Jets. 1997 to 1999 was the assistant head coach there and defensive coordinator. They made him the head coach in January of 2000, and he lasted for one day. They announce he's the head coach, and then the next day, Belichick says he's resigning as head coach of the New York Jets, and the rest is history. He's hired by the New England Patriots, and I think he had some success when he was in New England, unfortunately. But does Bill Belichick... Does he come back? Does he get a job? Does Kyle Shanahan consider bringing him in to be the defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers? That's my concern. Do the 49ers go out and get a Mike Vrabel or a Bill Belichick? Other than that, I'm fine with anybody they want to hire because we've known and we've learned in this town how bad the Super Bowl hangover can be. And the last time the 49ers lost a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl, to the Kansas City Chiefs, the next year was a disaster for them. Six and ten didn't even make the playoffs. <coughs> Ooh. Made it through the show. Only a couple of coughs, but I start to feel it coming in now. So good thing the show is over. But make sure you're following me on all your social media platforms. We'll be posting multiple pieces of content a day. And I'll be back here tomorrow, 10 o'clock. And if you want to check me out tonight, I'm actually going to be joining Johnny Marks. Johnny Marks has a show. Nine o'clock. So I'm going to be joining Johnny Marks tonight. Talk some Philadelphia sports with him as well. So hit that like button. Hit that share button. It was good to see my Power Hour crew. I'll see you all tomorrow, 10 o'clock. And as always, go birds. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the odds. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com